So I was thinking about uh, yesterday, I mentioned about the prophet's reward and that being a continual blessing. And even though we're claiming the Amos 9.13 blessing and we want to stay focused on that, there are some other elements of receiving from God and, and giving so forth that we want to keep in mind. So I, I mentioned that briefly yesterday, and I thought to myself, now I used to stumble over that, that word receiving and what it meant. Anybody besides me feel a little retarded there sometimes? And, I, you know, sometimes you, you just don't, we don't use words like that anymore. Uh, we might say them, but we're, it's not part of our understanding and meaning. So I thought I would just uh, briefly share with you uh, what the Strong's Concordance, how that defines receiving. Amen. So <clears throat> the um, word receiving really means properly. Amen. So there is a proper way to receive a man or woman of God. And there's an improper way. Now, many times uh, ministers, and, and I understand it to a degree, because I know sometimes people can, can get a familiarity, a casualness about who you are as a, an anointed person of God. It's not so much that people, and I, I believe this with all my heart, I don't believe people are funny about that because they want to be lifted up like their pride or their vanity is involved in it. But if you don't properly honor people as anointed, holy, set-apart vessels of God, and I'm not talking about no funny stuff. I'm just talking about recognize I ain't your girlfriend sharing the word with you. It's coming from an office that God has set me in. You got me? And so you have to keep that understood at all times or you're going to run afoul of the blessings of God. So you'll miss it. It's like a lot of people that now most of you know, uh, there was a, a man, he says, he said, I don't call myself a prophet. He received a vision and prophecy about God choosing Donald Trump for president. Well, it's shocking how many Christians don't really respect that and believe it and call him names and jump on it with everybody else with a liberal mindset. And so when you don't receive the prophet's word, you've dishonored God. And you, you really uh, start digging a hole for your own prosperity and so forth. If you don't get on the right side of what God sends out through prophetic voices, then you're going to mess up what God has in mind for you. The same way is if you say, for instance, if I make a mistake in something I do here in the church or Pastor Shirley does, you can't go around and just dog us out like you do anybody else that makes a mistake you have to realize we work for god and we have an office that we're in that we you know or if we don't make a mistake if you just don't agree with something you know so people are really quick to put it on a level of not being respectful or respectable and then we live in a society where people just don't respect customs, manners, traditions, conventions. People just have really a low opinion of certain things that are, are put in us to teach us honor. You know, uh, I notice like when some older people are in the church, 
you know, I can look at their faces and they can say they're really, you can see they're really appalled sometimes at some of the things they observe in the church because the church was always a place where you came in and you put aside your casualness, you put aside your carnality, et cetera, and you honored it as the house of God where you came in, amen, and respected God. And so these things are very important to God because you're always going to be tempted to demean somebody or to kind of put them down based on your personal opinion about things. And so we have to really humble ourselves and set personal opinion aside and understand that God has set an order in the earth and that order must be respected. It's the same thing with the prophet's office. Many times prophets are in situations that we think ministers should not be in. You know, like I'll pray for people in the supermarket. Well, most pastors won't even think of touching anybody, you know, because they have to keep that thing that they have. It's in the church. Come to church. and got to get everything in the church. And so many times, and then prophets, God will send people to us to minister to. And I know many times if somebody is a pastor, if you're not a member of their church, they don't want to talk to you. You understand what I'm saying? And they they keep that little protocol edge for each other so they're not stealing each other's sheep. You know what I'm saying? But then we have a kingdom of God and we're a body of believers. And if you need help and there's a part of the body that can help you, God will send you to that body part to get your help. You understand? And so if if I as a, a prophet decide I don't want to pray for certain people because they ain't coming through the door like and they ain't paying tithes and they ain't doing this and that, see, I'll get in trouble with God. See, I can't do that kind of stuff. And it's the same way with people receiving. So we're going to get back to receiving. So it says here to receive in a welcoming, receptive way. So that means no disrespect, no backbiting. No tearing down, you got me? Welcoming way, like receiving and sharing in God's salvation and thoughts. It also means to receive with ready reception what is offered. Ready reception. Receive with ready reception what is offered. Now, what do I mean ready reception? That means that you don't think I have some kind of, uh, uh, I guess, evil intent when I say something to you. I see that's going to X a lot of y'all out because everybody thinks that. You know what I'm saying? It's personal. She don't like me. She likes somebody better than me. You know, all that nonsense, you've got to let that go and receive with ready. And see, this is where people miss their reward. Like, for instance, if you get a prophecy and it doesn't come to pass, you're mad at the person that gave the prophecy. You can't afford to do that. So you really can't afford to do that because you don't know why. And you don't know if you hang on for another 10 days, it might happen. So when you disconnect from the vessel, you, you see, we can't play games with God here. You gotta love people. You gotta be mature. You gotta, <laughs> you know, that's why a lot of times people are up and down on whether they'll let prophets come in their churches to prophesy. Because they know what's gonna happen is many people may get angry because it did not come to pass. Well, are you mad at your Bible? Because a lot of stuff in there, you don't have it yet. You got me? 
And so then we have to be able to separate out the gift from the vessel to a degree and start to judge whether or not God's voice really spoke that to us. You've got to be forgiving. You forgive people if they make mistakes, don't you? But see, when it comes to men and women of God, you know, people want to throw us on the rack, man, if we... <laughs> All right. Warming, warmly receptive and welcoming. That means not suspicious, not angry, not being mad at somebody. It means with ready reception what is offered. Hmm? So you have to be ready to receive the word when it's given. You have to be ready to receive correction when it's given. You have to be ready to receive. Now, I don't say a lot of what I'd like to say. In some instances, I give people time. I pray about it, give them time to correct themselves. But if the correction doesn't come, what are you going to do? Let people stay, you know, ignorant or what do you do? And so we have to understand that this is a two-way thing. But when God says receive, that's what he means, receive. You got me? All right. The other one is, we said, ready reception of what is offered to welcome with appropriate reception. Uh, no suspicion. No thinking I don't like you. No thinking I got something personal against you. You got to clear your mind of that kind of stuff. It says here the personal element is emphasized. You have to receive that person uh, personally. It stresses the high level of self-involvement or interest involved with welcoming and receiving. So there has to be a high level of self-involvement when it comes to welcoming and receiving. You got me? And so this this kind of keeps you in the clear. It keeps your mind in the clear of the enemy planting thoughts that won't be productive for your well-being. Got me? Uh, you know, people say things like, well, you know how she is. Or you know, you got to stop doing that stuff, folks. you got to stop dragging people's fault shortcomings and sins over into their office that they stand in got me because those things are separate you got to keep those things separated out amen it, it, it really is it will amen amen it'll be to your benefit to your personal benefit to do that it also means to accept to take in other words to take what's offered and to welcome. So that's what the word receive means. Okay. So I just want to make sure you all understand what that word receive entails. Uh, because there are some times where you'll, you'll just kind of be, you know, if you don't correct that, like grab it up now and correct it and say, now God, I'm going to do this appropriate for, appropriately from here on in. What will happen is you'll start uh, diluting and polluting the words that are spoken to you. You'll start taking them like with a grain of salt, not really uh, taking them to heart the way God wants you to. And then you'll, your receiving of their words and their ministry will be just as casual 
as you read, think about them. You know what I'm saying? And, amen. And so, amen. And so we have a lot of uh, prophets in our midst. There are many people who are just beginning and awakening into an understanding of who they are. And we have to respect that prophet at the seed level, too. You understand what I'm saying? And, and just really learn how to treat people appropriately the way God wants them to be treated. I'm not saying that you run around and chase them around everywhere they go. Don't, you know, you're not some kind of fanatic, but you do understand a respectful stance and position that you take with prophets, especially. Amen. Because the prophet's reward, when we talked about that woman, every time something went wrong in her life, God showed right up with the man of God to help her. The last person that helped her was the king and restored everything that belonged to her. You can't buy that. See, you, you can't, you can't get that on your own. So that's why I took the time to share that with you because it's extremely important you know what proper receiving means. Amen. Proper receiving. And don't be afraid to uh, invite a prophet to your house overnight. Your house will never be the same in a good way. Amen. But that's why I don't stay with a lot of people, because I know it's a little tough. Thank you, Alicia. I'm coming to your house next. <laughs> but remember, I used to threaten a white glove on everybody, and y'all, <laughs> y'all got scared. So I said, well, let me leave that alone. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, uh, but it's not always about that. But it's, you know, if, if there are needs, then you have to make sure that you're open to help serve those needs. You know what I'm saying? And just do uh, what you need to do. And, and so it's just it's just good to know those things. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're all on the same page. So we're going to talk today about the underlying love of God. I'm sorry, the undying love of God. Sorry about that. Undying love. Of God. We serve a good God, not just a great God and a powerful God, but we serve a good God. If you'll turn to Jeremiah 31, you know, you think about Jeremiah as being what they always referred to him as what, the weeping prophet. He had nothing but woes for the uh, nation of Israel. Uh, I think as far as books of the Bible, it might qualify as one of the longest books of the Bible. Uh, And there was so much foretold about Israel's future. Their immediate future was not looking good because they had walked away from God for such a long period of time. Now they had to be judged for it. And Jeremiah several times had to warn Israel about the coming judgment on that nation. But also there was there's God never judges without a promise of mercy. See, that's where the love shows up. Amen. <laughs> Tender mercy, loving kindness. Like all these people who talk now about uh America's paying for her sins. Well, hello, Jesus paid already. See, we caught you lying. Huh? Jesus paid already. Any time you you see somebody, we God has always been merciful, yeah. always. He's never not been merciful, even under the old covenant. There was always mercy, yeah. and so whenever we talk about God, uh, uh, you know, people would would ask. Uh, I remember when the AIDS epidemic started. I think it was probably back in the late '80s, something like that. 
mid to late 80s, people would ask the question, and then they don't want to know the answer. They just want to indict God. Is AIDS God's judgment against the homosexual? Are they still living? Uh, Well, it's not judgment. When God judges something, I mean, it's judged anyway. It's judged by the Holy Spirit every day with the conviction of God to repent. Not telling you you're doomed and there's nothing you can Why would God even tell you you're doomed and there's nothing you can do? You'll find that out soon enough on your own. But see, that I believe it's a warning, though. I think we always get warnings from God, and warnings are always merciful. If I tell you to quit doing what you're doing because it's going to lead down the road somewhere crazy, that's mercy. That's loving you. That's giving you a chance. That's not wanting to see you not have fun. You know, we're so crazy sometimes. We think, are they just jealous of me because I'm out here doing this and doing that? (laughs) Honey, I done done it all, done it all, done it all. And smart enough to quit doing it, quit doing it, quit doing it. Huh? Learn my lesson. I learned my lesson. Huh? We is woke now. So, so this is the whole thing. We gotta, we really seriously, you know, let's not go back to sleep again. But in Jeremiah 31 and verse 3, we'll start at verse 1. At the same time, saith the Lord, will I be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus saith the Lord, the people which were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness. So most people died, but there was a remnant left. They found grace in the wilderness. Even Israel, when I went to cause him to rest, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, now he has appeared of old to me. So this was before the foundation of the earth. And he said, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn thee. So is the everlasting love and the drawing of God that accounts for all of the mercy you will ever receive in life. Please understand it's not our good behavior. You know what I'm saying? Now, now that helps for in, in many ways. You know, obeying God's law proves that you love him. Amen. If you love me, you'll do what I tell you to do. You'll obey my commandments and receive them as commandments and not suggestions, not when you get around to it and not if you feel good. It's it's you are commanded to do certain things before God, not because he needs you running around bowing to him. He knows he's God and he's very comfortable with who he is, but you need to bow to him. Because you need his greater mercy in your life. See, there are different relationships that we can have with God. If we are children, then we are heirs of God, the Bible says, and joint heirs with Christ of all things that pertain to life and godliness. So you have an inheritance if you're a child of God. So you can walk in a a relationship with God where you have knowledge of that inheritance. That is, you cease from your own labors 
And as a justified person, you live by faith. Now, that is not to say that faith is is laying on your couch with all your body slaves peeling grapes for you all day long. Miss Clydell had me peeling grapes for that little baby yesterday. He sat up there and threw them all out. I knew he was going to do it. I said, look at you, look at you. Come back when you're 15. Huh? Whatever. But it, <laughs> I did it in love. But uh, anyhow, <laughs> but that's not, see, the light burden and the easy yoke implies there's work to be done. But it's not under your own labor. It's a light, light, light. You know, most of our labor has to do with, with the mental torture of making the right decision. We're not getting up doing anything really physically that taxing. Huh? Ever since they put wheels on luggage, I've had a very easy life. <laughs> you know, I'll have to tote lift so much. And so what Jesus is implying here is the light burden and the easy yoke means that if you go the way of faith or you go the way that faith provides, there's always peace in the decision that you make in God. And if you go that direction, then I help shoulder the burden with you and I make your pull in it almost not noticeable. Huh? Almost not noticeable. All we have to do, and, and what makes it so much easier, is if you are, your mind is converted by meditating in the Word, and you don't refuse the Word of God. You know what I mean when I say refuse it? See, we'll refuse things in the Word that are meant for us because we think we ain't going to like that. Well, I don't know why God always trying to get me to eat chocolate, because I'm a vanilla person. You know, we always a different person than, Huh? I got my husband, he do so much stuff he said he wasn't going to never do. Look at everybody. Oh, exhale. Everybody holding it. <laughs> She's not going to talk about sex, is she? No. See that? Y'all look dirty-minded thing. Get, uh, get your minds out the gutter now. Elevate your thinking. How am I doing, Poppy? See, that's the mistake modern women make. They have bought into that lie. I'm talking about strapping your do-rag on your head and getting there and cooking some greens and stuff. Seriously? Paris the thought I You mean I have to cook? You eat, don't you? Just a thought. But that's what God wants to do with us with the word. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. All I had to do was get him to taste it. You know what I'm saying? Huh? Don't you like this? This is wonderful. Yeah, you know, on second thought. It's all about presentation. So, I saw somebody on Facebook. With a bogus plate they took a picture of. I fed that stuff to their unsuspecting neighbor. Sheree, come on now. The fish, the fish look like plastic. 
That look like some of that stuff <laughs> you buy home goods. You know the fake plates they give you for them home goods plates. And she up there parading it around. I'll find it on there now. I'm going to share it with everybody. I, I, I underlined the Last Supper. <laughs> Poor little unsuspecting neighbor. <laughs> he was shocked. He'd never seen her give him nothing before. All of a sudden, she showed up with food. He said, oh, my little suspicious cat. I had to send a suspicious cat to him. But anyhow. But my girl in there, ain't she? She got Photoshop food and all, but she... She ain't that during it. That's right, Sister Sheree. That's right. Well, when was that? Last year you got one plate of food? It's okay. It's okay. He will eat many days. One plate of food. Uh, husbands get hungry three times a day, at least. Yeah, I know. Shocker, right? It's just like you do. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> but my husband would say things like, I never thought I would like that. I said, oh, poor baby. He just... Or, I don't eat leftovers. Oh, really? This is interesting. <laughs> you plan on eating here every night? Ouch. But he ate leftovers. And was glad to get them. Amen. So that's the way we need to be about the Word of God. Yeah. You don't refuse anything. The Bible says today when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart against what he's. Now, you might recoil at it at first, but you got to say, God, you got to help me with this one. You know, because this one's a toughie. I got to swallow all kind of pride in order to believe this and receive this and think it's going to work for me, you know. But you do what you have to do to get into the mercy of God. That's where his word is. Amen. That's where his mercy is. So God's love cannot die. It's eternal. It cannot die. It was from the beginning. God is love. That is his very essence. That's 100% what he is. His, His love has been tried throughout the ages. And it still remains. Now abideth these three, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Amen. Sin makes God's love unknown to us, even though it's still working in our lives. Amen. You know, uh, 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 people in the church, they used to uh, have these sayings, you know, uh, my soul looked back. And wonder how it got over. See there is a love and a mercy that works in God. That works toward our behalf. That while it's working on our behalf. We don't know what that is. But then at one point your soul. Once it's renewed and restored and refurbished in the word of God. Then it looks back at your past life. And it wonders, it must have been the love of God that got you. You understand what I'm saying? So, so this is the, the mystery or the, I guess, I kind of don't know how to describe it, but it's a phenomenon that happens, uh, 
in our awareness of things that after we're enlightened, it becomes a lot clearer. But when we're in darkness, like when you're going through it, you don't really understand it. And so that's the the beauty of faith. Faith can take you through many things. And and if you stay in faith, you'll get through. But as far as understanding how you got through, that would have to come later once you're enlightened and God can take you aside and help you to make sense of it. And so this is the the uh, interesting thing about the love of God, even though in sin, our God's love is unknown. It's 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 not known to our awareness. So we're not aware of it, but it's still working anyway. And you've got to believe that that happens throughout your life in God, even when you're aware of God. You don't, you're not really understanding everything that's going on at the time it's going on. Now, that's why God says <clears throat> he rewards people who diligently seek him. Now, most of us are satisfied with getting the bill paid or whatever it is we were screaming for on Thursday and then Monday, it happened on our behalf. So, you know, we have them, them three-day incubation periods. You know, Sunday's coming. That kind of. Friday's bad, but Sunday's coming. Jesus was joyful on Friday, even though it was tough for him. There was an inner joy that carried him through. If we tap into that, we can have the inner joy that will carry us through, too. But that's a different story. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but but it's it's uh um God wants us to understand and get full disclosure on what on the spiritual things that that's his joy to give us understanding to help us uh understand so many things one of the reasons that God allowed brother Hagen to uh, do what he did as far as teaching the faith message was concerned is because that was an answer to so many questions that people had about the supernatural of God. That was the, the common denominator in all of the great moves of God that we've seen. You know, Martin Luther uh, opened that revelation up about the just living by faith, salvation by faith and not works. And it got dropped until really very recently, I would say the last 100 years, with the Pentecostal revival where people were were hung up and and caught up and captivated by the work of the Holy Spirit. But then the knowledge had to come. So what God often does is give us what we want as the teaser. But if we want it to happen again, then we got to go to him and get knowledge and fill in all the questions. And we're still filling in all the blanks on things. Amen. We're not knowledgeable. What man typically does is gets a teaspoon full of revelation and try to make an ocean to swim in out of it. Amen. You all seen it. Somebody comes up with one little teaching. They get famous. It's really easy to get famous now off of things. And so they'll they'll get real famous off this one little teaching, and then you get in their meetings and you find out there's not much else there. You think, I mean, I spent all this money, come all this way to hear the great so and so, and this is all it is. You know, you'd have done better staying at home and just playing some old Hagen Hagen tapes or something. Amen. And so, 
So God always wants to fill in our knowledge gap. He rewards the ones who diligently seek him because the diligent will always get rich. They'll get the richness. And when I say rich, I mean a wealth of what they're seeking, not just money, but a wealth of what they're seeking. Amen. So sin makes God's love unknown to us, even though it is still working in our lives through mercy, kindness and blessing. When the devil got the the man and the woman to disobey God, he thought we were doomed. Satan thought we were doomed. And he put that thought in us. See, what he thinks, we have to think until God comes in and gives us understanding. So we thought we were doomed to eternal death as well. But death, the Bible describes death as only an enemy. And I stress only because we have many enemies. And it is not a master. Death has no capacity to master you. Mm -hmm. And it's only because of the everlasting love of God. See, everybody who's given a death sentence gets a notion that we call hope. That something would come along to reverse this. I don't care who gives the death sentence. I don't care how final it may seem. We got people on death row waiting for the governor to commute their sentence or for somebody to give them a new trial or something like that, that doesn't come out of nowhere. That didn't come from some facts that they have. They have such a great case or something like that. Or their uh, professed innocence, because everybody innocent. You go in jail, ain't nobody guilty up in there. (laughs) I don't care. They just putting the smoking gun back in the, the holster somewhere. They ain't guilty, you know what I'm saying. And so, it. but it comes from... A place called hope. And hope is a portion, an aspect of God's everlasting love. See, hope doesn't come without love. It doesn't. You don't get anything like that that opens up that realm of possibility for you without great love. And I'm not talking about human love. I'm talking about something that comes into your heart to your mind, to your spirit, that opens up light, that opens up possibilities, that opens up a door, that that this is not the final answer. So even a death sentence is not the final answer. There have been too many people who have been given them, amen, that are still alive. So death has no power to master us. It's only an enemy. And all enemies work through fear. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus came to set at liberty those who through fear of death were always subject to fear. Amen. And so when we understand that death has no power to master us, then that gives us hope that there's a remedy for all the things that are against us. There's a remedy for everything that's against us. I don't care what it is and who told you that that was your portion. God is your portion. Amen. And as long as the sun comes up, God is alive. 
Amen. That's all I can tell you. Even in places where they don't have much sunlight, they're aware there's a sun somewhere. Amen. So God is alive. So death is merely an enemy, not a master. Why? Because it is of the temporal realm. When when, uh, uh, Satan has power over death or had it until Jesus whipped him and took it back. But he was all, until the the coming of the Lord, he was always lording it over people with death. It's always the ultimate threat. And so as Satan masters, used to master over death, he, he, uh, he made it, made a subject to it, but only in so far as we didn't have access to God. See, if we let that be our main focus, we shut off our access to God. And so because death came with Satan, Satan didn't create. He wasn't Satan wasn't here from the beginning. So he doesn't have control over anything that's everlasting. He's the God over the temporal. The seen realm, which is temporary. It's not permanent. Anything that was from the beginning cannot take the place of something that came later. Just like, Sheree, you got two girls. You're their natural mother. You raised them. If some woman comes up, oh, just call me granny. Just call I just love them girls. You don't have no fear of her taking your place because you know what it takes to be a mother you know what you've invested and you know that nobody else can do that it's the way god feels about us he nobody can take his place amen nobody can undo what he's already done in creating us calling forth who we are prophesying over us saying what we would wind up being in the end nobody can take his place And nobody can take that away from you. Amen? So we don't have to worry about anything that the enemy puts out there, even though most people serve him. You know, a lot of times he he comes along with big threats about things. You know, uh, he'll take uh, people and make them very wealthy, and they wield a lot of power on the earth. But they can die tomorrow. You understand what I'm saying? And many of them do. And and their threat goes right with them. You understand what I'm saying? So anything that's temporary or temporal uh, or of the temporal realm cannot surpass anything that's permanent that was from the beginning. That's why it was God's will for Satan to put Jesus to death. Well, it took the guy who was in charge of the money in the church. <laughs> and I thought, no shade. And uh, used him for what he liked, which was money, to betray Jesus. It was all orchestrated by God. Amen. Hmm? Amen. Because the Bible says if the princes of this world had known the plan of God, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. 
because his crucifixion signified the release of a whole bunch more of us. So it freed God up to redeem us. Because through God's wisdom versus the wisdom of the world. Wisdom of the world can only re it can really only relate to what it can see, taste, touch, and hear, this temporal realm. So Satan was looking at his opportunity to finally nail Jesus, which was what he wanted from eons ago. I will exalt my throne above the throne of God. Well, who's seated at the right hand and who's the heir of all things? It's the son. So he was after getting the son subject to his biggest weapon he uses against us, and that's death. So when he saw he could put death on Jesus, he went for it. Just like we go for stuff we ain't supposed to have. But we're so caught up in the love of it, we can't stop ourselves. So he couldn't stop himself. So I got him down now. In the wilderness telling me off time of this written. I read the Bible too. I quote as much scripture as he did. Uh He had known. That's the wisdom of the world. See, versus the wisdom of God. See, we have access to the wisdom of God. We don't have to use the wisdom of the world to get what we want anymore. Huh? You know, we can't, we don't have to be jumping slick all the time. Huh? Amen. We have a father who owns everything. Huh? I, I said that to, so I think I said that to Rachel or something. I said, girl, do they know who I am? You understand what I'm saying? In, in a sense of who I belong to and who I serve. You got me? She can make the same claim. Do they know who she is? Huh? Who she belongs to and who she serves. Amen. And so when, when we understand the undying love of, you can't kill the love of God. It's been tried. It was tried on the cross. It was tried in the garden, tried on the cross. Every place the love of God has been tried. It resurrects, reshapes, reforms, resurfaces. Whatever God needs to do to get his love to us, he will do it. So we have, when Satan's mission is to separate us from God's love, if he can make us feel like orphans, he gives us uh, the illusion of being eternally separated from God's love. Because, Because... Iniquity is is tied to the temporal or temporary or carnal realm. You have a sense that when when you can't find a solution in your carnal mind, there is no solution. You ever felt that way? There's just no answer. You just come into that blackness or that brick wall and and you can't penetrate that and go any deeper. And so we just do what we call quit, give up, get tired. But have you noticed, though, and sometimes even when you're a sinner, there's something that happens in you that gives you a second breath or a second wind on that thing. And you begin to think it might be possible. 
And then you start maybe to cry out for something else that's out there somewhere. You may not know what it is or what to call it, but it, there's a something there. Tell, well, see, that's the, the uh, everlasting love of God. That's the undying love of God. See, even though we're separated from it and can't touch it, feel it, taste it, know what it is, well, it's still there and we have an awareness that it's there. That's God's mercy. Awareness of him is always merciful. I don't care what condition you're in. There is an awareness of God that is always available to everybody. I don't care who they are. I don't care how much they talk bad. I don't care how much they blaspheme or how ignorant they are, all the sin that they do. There is an awareness somewhere. So just believe that. Don't try to figure out what it is or what it's doing or what it's saying, but just take it by faith. God, I know my children are doing what I thought they would be doing for you at this time in their lives, but I thank you that they have an awareness of your goodness and your love that never dies. It's going to work on their behalf at some time, and I trust that awareness. I trust you to tap them on the shoulder one day, and they come fully aware Amen. Of what it is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, those of you who are parents with adult children or growing children, the Lord wants me to to show you this. That The Lord is saying this. He says, even though you have taught them the way they should go and they know the way they should go and the way they should flow, there is a knowing that I need to bring to them that far surpasses what you can do. Because I am God and there is no other. And I will not let them, anyone, even you, and your love for them take my place, says the Lord. And I have locked them in a place of unbelief for a season. For I sum up everything in unbelief. For their own enlightenment, their own, because every man must know me for himself. And the time for mom's knowledge and dad's knowledge and secondhand knowledge of me has ceased in their lives. But I swear, I decree, and I guarantee that the day will come they will know me for themselves. And the greater thing that I have ordained for them will come to pass, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. See, that's why Israel is blinded. You got me? Now, I love Jewish people, but I hate trying to witness to them because, man, they can come out with some doozies. They hurt your feelings and your unborn grandchildren. With some of the things, but see, they have been, they have been blinded in unbelief. That has to happen for it to be a true conversion. Other than that, we just have a little, a bunch of little spiritual robots floating around here. Hope I haven't messed up that understanding, but forgive me, Lord, I, but you know what I'm saying and trying to make sense of it in a way for myself. So, but, but this is the true thing. Uh, they can't get into where God wants them to get even in heaven oh mama you know we always say that but we're not sure the process that it takes so just hang on to your seatbelt parents you'll be fine (laughs) he loves them 
It's an undying love of God. Amen. It never dies. Never dies. It's always going to, it's always going to give that door of mercy for them to come in and fully fall before their face in front of God and, and, and live totally for God. So you just keep that vision of them living totally for God in your heart and God bring it to pass. Amen. 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 So this orphan spirit that we tend to carry with us because of iniquity, that's just the way the devil wants everybody to feel uh, unloved, unwanted, rejected, unworthy. We don't have no parents. Who's your daddy? You know, DNA test and all that kind of stuff. And, and so we go looking for love. And that is the great search of all mankind. We're all looking for love. You know, I know a lot of times we try to act like we could. We don't need nobody. I ain't looking for nobody. Ain't nobody going to do nothing for me. You got to be real mucky muck to get the kid over the finish line. You know what I'm saying. Say it, say it. But this is a great search of mankind. Amen. So in order to remove this orphan spirit and awareness we will seek the love and approval of man. This further damages and alienates us. Oh, Barb, don't tell me. Don't take my husband away. You ain't got no husband yet. You just, you just doing the preliminary tilling your soil. You ain't even good at, got a good seed planted in there. Huh? Let's just get it straight here. <laughs> but thank God for Amos 9.13. You, you little cheaters can reap before you sow. All y'all clean up women out here. Y'all can reap before you sow. Amen. But looking for, for eternal love in temporal situations is the problem. Amen. And, and many of us are damaged and disappointed just from that and don't even believe anymore for the love of God or for real love to come into our lives. So, you know, you, you just, well, that was a wash. That was my old life. If you'll reckon yourselves dead to that and you're a new creature here, you can get it. But if you try, man, but if you keep carrying the old hurts, wounds, and pains around with you, and you don't let the love of God ever penetrate and correct that and heal it, then you're always going to be out there searching as an orphan, you know. Uh, It it amazes me. Some people so cool, and then they wind up, the hunter gets captured by the game. Oh, yeah. See? You, you think you, you got it all together. Nobody knows your hurt, your wound, your need. We all need love. I got news for you. We all in the same ballpark. Married people need love. Are you kidding me? That's a toughie right there. And that's something God ordained. <laughs> it's amazing how humanity can mess it up so bad. And so when we understand that this is the great quest of life, is love but it's really to be reunited with god that's that's what it is amen and when i say reunited 
I mean totally given over to God. So given over that there's no more lack in your life. You got me? And it's a toughie because people want to see we think if we don't depend on and cling to God so much that leaves room for another human being to come in and love us. We're scared of we're scared of getting too cool in God. You know what I'm saying? Like But there's a spiritual cool in God. Where you're complete, you're whole, you're entire, you lack nothing. That means you have been healed from woundedness. You've confessed woundedness, healed. You're open and honest before God. And so God can come in and do the restoration repair work. And, and that's a done deal. And you, you, you now live in a contentedness before God. And and then there's the the fake stuff where you get a little bit of God and try to fake the rest of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm good. Or people think if they don't act desperate and crazy and hopeless, that doesn't mean they're not looking for somebody to love in a natural realm. So we got to let God straighten all these crazy ideas out. Yeah, and just keep aware that there is a greater promise for contentment in this life. Can I say it that way? But it's it's not your whole life. You know, it's like that'll complete my life, and that'll be wonderful and be nice if I had somebody to share my life with in a natural realm. But until you can see it really like that, God has not made room for that other person there for you. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying you can't ever get married until that happens, but I'm just saying be aware that if you invite somebody into your life, there is a danger that you'll start to get too dependent upon them and get crippled at their every. They make a a move that don't look right to you. You get stupid on them. And see, then y'all be on Snapped and me and Rachel will be watching y'all eating our popcorn or something. You understand what I'm saying? I was like, ooh, Rachel, this is a good one. Somebody from church out there. Never thought I'd see that. When the producers call up and say, is this your, no, my church is is really a different, the name is similar, but that ain't my church. (laughs) I get itchy when you even say it. Please. Huh? Seeking the love of, of, of man refers to relationships. And that, that'll trip you up. Sometimes people have enough of the love of God to have a successful relationship, marriage, family, whatever, whatever. But then they're seeking approval of man. See, there's a difference between seeking love, seeking approval. When you seek approval of man, it's manifested maybe in your education, your career. You know, everybody encourages you when they see you doing well academically and so oftentimes an orphan soul can start to feed off of that you know upset if they don't get a a four point a four point gpa you know and all that kind of stuff because just be careful man's approval isn't in there because see if you take something besides signing 
as a foreign language now. Or knitting as a specialty. Yeah, that's extra extra credits. Huh? That's right, Jackie. Tell on yourself. I said, you taking a foreign language? Yeah. I said, what you do? She said, signing. I said, okay. Parlez-vous? <laughs> I thought to myself, the years I took chemistry and microbiology and stuff, I said, them days are gone forever. Amen. 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 All they, all you got to do is break, uh, you know, memorize half the periodic chart. You get an A in chemistry. You know what I'm saying? That's right. True. Huh? <laughs> See, that's why, that's why I, I read this all the time, and I walk in divine health. I pray. <laughs> so we seek approval of man through accomplishments. Whether it's hobby, sports, parenting, school, work. A lot of people crave validation. You know, I mean, they crave it like it's a void there. And, and really only the love of God will do that. An awareness of God's love will take care of that. Amen. But it, it seems so off the road for many people who need to get off that road. Like if, if you would tell somebody who's kind of an overachiever, you know what I'm saying, they think about one thing all the time, got to make money, got to get another job, got to you try to stop them and tell them, you know, this would go better if you put God whoop, in a driver's seat instead of you driving him around everywhere, you know. And, and it's hard to derail that because they feed on it so much. See, the anxiety and insecurity that it would incur in their lives is so great to them, they're afraid to let go of it, you know, until they hit the brick wall. They were all upset and worried if they're going to make it, but we really need to be rejoicing because that's where they're really going to have to run into the that's what it, That's what happened to me. And see, we all have experienced that to some degree, but we're afraid for our loved ones to have to. You got it? It's the undying love of God that will carry us and them to the finish line. Hmm? I tell this story about my mother sometimes. When I had a nervous breakdown, I felt, of course, people who are depressed feel this way. They feel like everybody's abandoned them, ashamed, embarrassed, everything. And I remember thinking my mother and father were ashamed, so ashamed of me, they just didn't care anymore. And I remember after I had recovered, this is, this is how God See, don't don't keep yanging at God to know everything right now, because it will come to you in due season. See, enlightenment comes to you in due season. And I remember after I got saved, I was talking with my mother. She was she was at her house lying in bed and uh, I was telling her she was saying she said, um, she said, you like that Bible now, don't you? I said, yeah, Ma, I really do. 
I said, and when I, I said, I got saved, she said, I know. And everything I told her, she knew already. And she said, yeah. She said, do you remember when I came to see you when you were sick? And I said, yeah. She said, when I was sitting there looking at you, she said, I saw a person come out of you that was a new person. And they were, their mind was healthy. They were strong. She said, kind of like what you look like now. She said, and I knew then you were going to be okay. And I said, Lord, thank you for healing my baby. Amen. See, this will teach you how to quit judging. Right. Huh? But see, if it had come to me at the time when I was sick, it would not have helped me at all. God waited till I got healthy in my mind and my soul and my spirit to receive truth. That's when you can receive it. He warns us not to throw pearls in front of swine. Why? Because they'll trample it over and say, ah, that ain't God. You understand what I'm saying? So it's good to allow God to get you to the point where you can even receive more of his love. Huh? Truth is always love. Amen. It's always love. And and I sat there and I cried. And she said, Oh girl, you all right. You know what my mother would always do. She didn't make a big deal. If you were hysterical, you met something that shocked you right back into normality real quick. You know. Uh, Wee. You didn't. You didn't have that uh, once a month lay in the bed and all that. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Nope. That didn't exist in our house. And I'm thinking, what are they talking? About? The curse. Uh, honey, you get up and do something. Them crabs gonna be there if you lay there for days, but they gonna leave you. Get up. <laughs> you get all that stuff. Huh? Why? Cause she knew better. She had to keep going. You gonna raise a bunch of wimps in you? <laughs> We we didn't have no punks in our house. <laughs> no way. Amen. So so his love completes us. You know, we, we start looking for affirmation. You know, God looks at that as seeking him. Amen. So if we fail at finding love and acceptance in the natural realm, we will cry out to God. Now, there are some people who do seek it in the spiritual realm. They'll want, run into cults, witchcraft, and all that kind of stuff. So there is an awareness in us that we need something outside of the natural realm. We, we are aware of that at all times. So our cry to God is a response to lovelessness. Not poverty, not lack, not money. Not, it's a response to lovelessness. Because look at the people in persecuted nations. Now, if if it was money and, and housing and all that, they'd still be crying out. But some of them are so content. Why? Because it was lovelessness that they were crying out for. And now they found the love, the great love of their lives. Amen. Satan separates us from God through iniquity. But God still loves us. Even when we were in sin, he loved us. Amen. His great love toward us. So his love never dies, even though the enemy tries to make us think it's dead. When we were separated from God, Satan tried to kill God's love 
inside of us or the desire for God's love inside of us. Genesis 2:17 God gave Adam and Eve instruction and told them in the day that they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil they would surely die. Now it's interesting God spoke that to Adam before Eve was formed. But Eve was always part of the original creation. Amen. So even though the person, the physical manifestation wasn't there, the concept was there. Not just in God, but it was in Adam. See, Adam was complete when God created him. Amen. So he wasn't lacking anything. He wasn't lacking that there was some chick coming because he really had conceived of her in his heart. When, it, when he went and tried to find somebody to fill that place in his heart that Eve finally filled, he found nobody. So she was already conceived on the inside. See, sometimes the lack, <laughs> the lack of something is a conception. Amen. All women, I believe, desire to be mothers because God put that in us. Amen. No matter who you are, no matter if you had children. I didn't wasn't fortunate enough to have any natural children. <laughs> you know, people say, oh, well, her, pe- her people are her children. Really? Seriously? <laughs> I don't whoop y'all enough. Number one. No, I'm messing with you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But but all women desire to be natural mothers. Why? Because if you're not a mother, that creates the child. Lack creates. It gives you a vision. It gives you a desire. It gives you understanding. Lack always creates. So when Adam could not find anybody to so-called fit the bill... The fact that he lacked that put a hunger in him for somebody just like him, and God formed the woman out of desire. It's still there. It's still working. Right, Poppy? See? (laughs) Amen? That's why men go looking for a wife. Don't ever go looking for Come on now. You know, you don't have to go there. God might forgive you and work it out. You know what I'm saying? We all been we all been a little skating out there a little bit, but you know what I'm saying. You just, just hold your horses. Just keep making yourself available to God. Amen. <laughs> So God told them they would surely die. Satan came back and put doubt in their minds about what God had said about death. That doubt actually in a a perverse kind of way created the possibility for resurrection and redemption and eternal life. Think about it. If God said you will surely die, Satan said you won't surely die. 
So that put like a carnal hope inside a man to get out of death one day. So everything God does works on our behalf, even though the devil tries to work his little. You got me? So they put hope for redemption inside a man when he said, you will not surely die. See, the wisdom of God working even in, in, in iniquity. The Bible says the children of darkness are wiser in their generation than the children of light. Why? Because we're trying to catch up with what the church used to know, and the world is out there getting new. That's why it takes so many years for drug enforcement people to catch up with the drug cartel. Because they've been plotting, playing, and everything. That's why, you know, when a new car comes out, the car thieves know how to break the everything on it before the, the companies know how to prevent that. Because they're working hard with what they got. We just take our knowledge a little more casually, I think, than we should. Yeah. God said we will surely die. Satan wants us to think God's love is dead. See, he said we would die, not him. As long as he's alive, I don't care what we do, there's hope for us. Huh? So until God writes you a letter and say, I'm dying tomorrow or tonight I'm gone, or what, don't get upset about nothing. Amen. You don't get upset about anything. So what happened was iniquity put a cloud of darkness. We, we became unaware of God's love. Just, let, just so you know, what you're aware of is not dead. Just because you don't know it's there, that don't mean it don't exist. You got me? So if, you're, if it's not in your awareness, that has nothing to do with whether or not God's not going to bless you with it, that it's not for you, that it's not. You just quit looking for everything to be right there in your vision and believe the love of God is working on your behalf even when you don't think it's working on your behalf. Amen. So just because you're not aware does not mean it's not there. We think our orphanness and loneliness and feeling of being unloved is a permanent condition. And that's one of the powers of death. Death always looks so final and looks so permanent. Yeah. Huh? Now, y'all wake up now and say something. I mean, you ever been to a, a <laughs> Jan, Jan, Jan Johnson used to tell people when they would say it about, uh, well, when, she, when she would witness the people, they'd say something smart to her about uh, about death. And she said, I tell you what, she said, you go out there to uh, Highland Park Cemetery and set an alarm clock and see if the people, oh, about people, God didn't get you up every day. God got you up this morning. And she said, you put an alarm clock over that grave and see if them people get up on their own. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So God's love continues to seek us out. Death is not a permanent condition. Amen. Because even even uh, people's souls are alive in hell. You know, those souls will live forever. They're just alive in a bad place. The worst place, actually. So thank God his love continues to seek us out. Even when we don't want him. 
we blaspheme against him. Amen. His love continues to seek us out. So his love never dies. Titus 2.13 talks about Jesus being our blessed hope. God's love lives when we have hope. Be a person that provides hope for people. You know, you go to minister to people, always give them God's word, which is full of hope and full of life. Give them God's word. Don't tell them, you know, a lot of nonsense stuff. You know, his, his love raised us up in the form of hope. It raised us up in the form of hope. Hope is always a sign of God's love at work. If we think God's love, God does not love us, we are mistaken because as long as we have hope, we have evidence of the love of God. You believe for a, a better day, a better tomorrow, there's evidence of the love of God. The blessed hope Jesus is evidence of God's love. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved everybody. And not just saints, love the world. He gave his only begotten son to be an expression of his love. So if you're born again, if you listen to the spirit, your spirit man, Jesus is always in there expressing his love to you. If you'll listen, huh? if you'll listen, you have to have enough faith to pursue that. You, you just can't ignore it being in there. You, you got to have faith in God and pursue knowing the truth and that God loves you. There's evidence of his love at all times available to us. We don't have to live as orphans anymore. Jesus told uh, the, the uh, people that he preached to when he walked the earth, he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So Jesus is the express, uh, the expression of God's love in bodily form. So he began to love us while we were yet sinners. That's why he could walk among sinners, not sin with them, not play their games, not reject them and be better than them. But he could be a friend of sinners, which meant he is not the enemy anymore. He's not there to, out to get you. Amen. He's there to help you. Amen. Jesus came to us to let us know God's love is alive. It's not dead. He died to make God's love available to us all the time. When you are born again, you have the love of God available to you all the time. But you have to be somewhat diligent to learn how to tap into it. You got me? You've you got to stay with it. You can't just get a snatch and a grab or something. Just but And, and God knows how to pursue us. To the point of surrender of love. Amen. Sometimes he'll bless us and knock our socks off. And then sometimes he'll withdraw himself from us for a season. And then we have to seek him again. Amen. I remember him sharing that with me one time. And he said, problem with you Christians is. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh. He said, you don't have any romance in your soul. Huh? 
if a brother stayed up in your face all well except your men see sometimes when you're married to them if they stay in your well i won't even go there but <laughs> women are always looking for more freedom yes so are men Sometimes we're afraid to let go at certain times because we don't trust ourselves. So you get into overkill, overdue, not doing enough, doing too much. It's it's a challenge. Not impossible, but a challenge. But the Lord told me that. He said, if if he said if if you were dating a man and you didn't call, he didn't call you for a few days, what would you think? And I said. He said, yeah, but what would you feel? I said, I'd feel hurt, rejected. He said, but what else? I'd miss them. He said, that's what I'd do with you. Can I get an amen for the romance? See, see, and the reason we don't like that so much is we don't like romance. We like, be here when I tell you or I'll snap. Where's the paycheck, John? (laughs) I'll, you know, we like that, we like that, we like that boot snap stuff. (laughs) So, amen. So, and men like it too. You know, they play their little games. But see, with Jesus, it's a love game. It's not a manipulation game. Amen. But the Bible says he shrouds himself. He says, hides in thick darkness. So sometimes you'll have to go into thick darkness to find him. Which means you might have to do something you don't want to do. That's our thick darkness. Something we're compelled to do. We ever do have some experience you just detest, and then all of a sudden God will show up in that you start crying, acting stupid, and yeah. it's yeah, it's just it's just Jesus being sweet to us, loving on you, Amen. So so the love of God, folks, it cannot be killed, can't be stopped, Amen. If you think. If you think your sin stopped it, you're mistaken. Amen. Amen. If you think not coming to church because you're mad at the saints will stop it, you're mistaken. If you think not paying your tithes will stop it, you're mistaken. Nothing like that will stop God's love because he's much bigger than all of that. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you that. That we can just even know somewhat how much you love us. Gosh, it's a mystery. It really, really is. I think the only solution is that we seek to live for you. As best we know how, live out your love. And then you will...